Hello there, and welcome to the Paradox Podcast. On this special episode, I call my good friend Kyle Dever, who's lived in New York City for nearly four years, to talk about what it's like to live at the epicenter of this crisis in America. All right, welcome to the Paradox Podcast. We are very excited to have Kyle Dever with us on the phone. Kyle, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you, Kyle, because uh, we hear a lot of statistics coming out of New York City. And for people who are on the other side of the country, it's easy to dismiss those statistics as numbers. And I just wanted to hear from you in an effort to humanize basically what's happening in New York. So I was wondering if we could start by you just telling us about your life in January of 2020. What was a typical day in New York City like for you? Yeah, in January of 2020, um, I was working uh, at a coffee shop on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Uh, Best coffee in Manhattan, by the way. Um, And so I would uh, commute from my apartment in Bushwick, Brooklyn, uh, which is like 45 minutes to an hour on the train. Uh, So yeah, I would would commute up there. And if I was doing the morning shift, that meant I was on like a five o'clock train. And it was just like packed with people trying to sleep, construction workers, a very blue collar type of vibe, because that's who takes the train from Brooklyn to Manhattan that early in the morning. Um, And then the the neighborhood that I work in on the Upper West Side is like very affluent families um, and just like rich people in general. Um, But uh, my shop is also like on a, a busy like cross street. And so there's just a ton of foot traffic um, it's right by the Beacon Theater, if that's a landmark you or your listeners would know, um, like two blocks from Central Park. So it's like a very, uh, a lot of tourists, a lot of um, people just in the neighborhood. Um, and for, for if you've been to New York, it's a pretty typical like block in Manhattan in terms of like busyness, maybe a little bit busier. If you've never been to New York, then it's probably busier than you could imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so that was so that was the that was the coffee part, and then and then the other thing I was doing regularly was uh, taking improv classes at the Upright Citizens Brigade, which is just like a stop or two on the subway away from my job, uh, kind of near Times Square, I guess you could say. And so that is just insanely crowded um, uh, with people that area. That's also the theater district, so all the shows are going on, um, and. Yes, I was taking improv classes with a bunch of other, you know, aspiring actors and comedians and people like that. And the theater uh, that we would perform at, whether we were performing or going to shows, was always pretty full. Um, And our school where we all took classes together was always uh, pretty hectic as well. So those those were basically the two things I was spending most of my time doing in January and and pretty regularly, you know, going out to eat. Uh, going to music or comedy or Broadway shows, that kind of stuff. That's great. And what was the last normal day that you remember? Yeah, so the last normal day I remember, I don't remember the date, um, but it was the day before Broadway shut down. And uh, it was like, I guess it was still a little abnormal because some places had started to close and we were like starting to think about like what impact is this actually going to have and like it was in everyone's mind but in terms of like i was still working the friend the the friend i was hanging out with was still working 
Um, everything was kind of in our lives, at least normal. And we went to see the Alanis Morissette like musical, okay. uh, Jagged Little Pill, and it was great. And it was literally the night, the last night of Broadway shows. <laughs> Are you serious? The last yeah. night you were there? Yeah, yeah, it was oh. crazy. <laughs> so. From there, like, what what happened? Like, what started escalating? Because obviously Broadway shutting down was, like, kind of a landmark within yeah. New Yorkers' uh, time frame. From there, like, what happened? Did you keep working after that? Or what, what did you start to see unfold? Yeah, I, I'm very fortunate um, in that the coffee shop that I work at is actually still even open today. Um, and so uh, I was working... Um, most of the week, uh, up until a little over a week ago. So, um, yeah, I, the, the changes that I saw, um, is that my commute, the train started to get a lot emptier. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and then when I was at work, there was just a lot less traffic. Uh, we had to make obviously some like changes in how we served our customers. So like we started doing only takeaway drinks and we took a few things off the menu that were like a little bit more interactive, I guess you could say. Um, like what, what kind of stuff did you take off the menu? Yeah. So we took off pour overs. I don't know if that's a term that people are familiar with. That's like a type of coffee brewing that is like manually water is poured through a coffee filter over a cup and it like takes a while and your hands are just involved with it more than a normal cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, and so we stopped doing we stopped doing those mostly because we didn't want people waiting in the shop for them because they take like five to ten minutes to make. Okay. So we just didn't want people like hanging around to like get one of those. Um, so and... did you guys go to instant coffee then? <laughs> no. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's, you have to understand how much Kyle. It's a good Kyle... joke. No, it's a good joke. It's a good joke. <laughs> you have to understand how much Kyle loves coffee. <laughs> to get that joke because he uh, lives, breathes, and dies coffee. Yes, uh, I. So I, instant coffee I was, would be blasphemy. <laughs> I was joking. Uh, you know, I was, I was a you know Seventh Avenue pastor for ten years with a salary and <laughs> health benefits, and I quit that job like three months before <laughs> the whole coronavirus <laughs> hit. That's how so much I love coffee. Saying, <laughs> what you're saying is, is that you did not have the gift of spiritual prophecy. No, no, I never had that spiritual <laughs> gift though. <laughs> Few do Kyle. Few do. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean the, the shop just got like really slow. We cut our hours. Um, it's a really, really tiny uh, coffee shop in the first place. Um, and so there's only like five of us that work there. Um, and then two of Two of those five people were like, hey, you know, we don't want to really work right now. We don't think it's safe for us. And then the three of us that remained, um, I started driving to work just because there was no traffic anymore and there was parking everywhere. Uh, <laughs> it's a little and, different for New York. Yeah. And I wouldn't have to take the subway and interact with a bunch of people. Um, we were obviously wearing like gloves and face masks and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then... What, what day is today? Today is a Monday. So <laughs> the uh, last Saturday, not this one that just passed, but the one before, um, one of my roommates uh, told me that he talked to one of our doctor friends and he had been sick and, and his his doctor friend like thought that he pretty likely has corona. And so uh, I you know told my work I probably shouldn't come in anymore because 
I don't want to potentially give it to people because if he has it, I probably have it. Uh, so, so yeah, so I've been quarantined for like a week and a half, just chilling here at home, not working or anything. Um, but, uh, pretty much everyone in the coffee world has been laid off. So the fact that I haven't been, um, and could, and could return to work if, and when I'm healthy or this is all over, that's, I feel very fortunate to have that. Uh, so do you have any symptoms right now? I don't have any symptoms. No. Um, but my roommate, uh, he is man it's honestly like day like 11 for him of feeling sick and it's all yeah. like chest it's all like chest stuff and he's woke me up in the middle of the night a few times because he thought he maybe has to go to the hospital um and then we how spend, does he like, wake you up without touching you uh, he just like knocks on my door and makes oh. noise <laughs> wow <laughs> uh so yeah so so he'll he'll wake me up and and then um and we'll like talk about hey is it time to go to the hospital and then kind of we always end up saying well no it's not it's not intense enough yet yeah um wow. so kind of it kind of sucks for him cuz he like feels terrible and he like can't really sleep and um and there's not much he can do to get better like he's doing everything right he's resting a lot he's drinking a ton of water and like tea and stuff uh, eating really he's very healthy eater um and so but because of the burden on the healthcare system, um, we're like, hey, we don't want to go unless it's something that we act like he actually needs. Um, yeah. And like dis- discomfort isn't good enough at this point. Yeah. If if the healthcare system was, uh, if it had a room, how long ago would you have taken him? Um, pro- like, yeah, if, if Corona was happening and had the capacity, um, we would have taken him probably a week ago. Yeah. Probably as soon as we suspected, probably over a week ago. What on what on earth? Well, first of all, how old is your roommate? Um, he's probably like 35, 36, I think. Okay, so he uh, sounds young and wise. And he is just like, like me. the the picture. <laughs> he is the picture of health. Okay. Like the the man eats like he he eats amazingly, and he does yoga and exercises and stuff every day. He's in great shape and takes really good care of himself. And what's it like living with somebody that most likely has the virus? Well, so I think it would be different for different people. So there's three of us that live here. Um, it's a it's a New York apartment, so it's obviously not huge. Um, but we do each have our own rooms, and we have a pretty large, like, common area. He, the um, my roommate that's sick, has been, like, very careful of trying to, like, only use certain dishes and cups and stuff and, and only, like, be in the common area as little as possible and disinfect after every time he uses the bathroom or takes a shower or cooks anything. But my other roommate and I, we're both just like, Hey, like if you have it, like we have it. Yeah. There's just like, we have not been going to the extreme measures that you need to, to keep from getting it from someone you live with. Right. Like, like you hear these stories of like doctors that are like living in their garage or something yeah. in order to keep their family. Like we, we can't do that. Don't have like an we don't have, I shouldn't laugh. But yeah. <laughs> there's so many times that's all my only reaction is just laughter. Yeah. We don't have extra space to do that. And, and even if you do that, that still cannot be effective. Right. So it's like, so we're just like, Hey, don't kill yourself trying to like worry about not getting us sick because we probably, if, if you do indeed have this, then we probably do as well. And we're just lucky enough to, at this point, not be showing any symptoms. 
Now, have you ever thought about going home or uh, going home? Obviously, you're a grown man and you live in New York, um, <laughs> but like going to live with family members somewhere else in the country. Yeah, I have. Uh, so I'm originally from Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C. And uh, when this first started happening, my plan was like, hey, I'll stay in New York as long as the cafe is open. And then when the cafe closes, I'll go down to Maryland and like stay with my family, at least for a little while. And, and, until like I we all want to kill each other and then I'll come back to New York right yeah <laughs> yeah uh uh but but then like it started getting more serious um Maryland and New York have had similar kind of reactions to this in terms of like the government's handling of it mm-hmm. um, both both of our governors have been like pretty aggressive and like um and my parents their office is at the house and so uh my dad especially was pretty much already sheltering in place just because that's what his life is. <laughs> Working from home he wasn't like, a big deal. He just blinked and it was yeah. like, oh, it's Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. He like leaves the house twice a week, wants to go grocery shopping and wants to go to church. Yeah. <laughs> so like for him, like it wasn't that much different. For my mom, like she's a little bit more extroverted and has a, a lot more like out of the home responsibilities. So for her, it changed her life a little bit more. But they're both like in their 60s and, you know, my dad has asthma and they both have, you know, different various health things too. So, um, it was like, no, actually like you, you shouldn't come stay here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like the only, the only thing that would happen is I would put them more at risk by, by going there. Wow. So, um, yeah. And then I don't really have any other family throughout the country that like, that, um, has extra space and is not compromised and we would want to put up with each other for two months you know it's like like that's not really something yeah so so right now just staying at home and yeah we have a little we have a little backyard space so that's nice okay okay (laughs) not everybody gets that in Uh, new york right yeah no it's very it's pretty rare um and i have a car which is also really uncommon for new yorkers and so uh if i ever do want or need to go somewhere i can without worrying about like infecting someone else um uh so that's that's nice and you know another nice thing about new york is like we already do get everything delivered (laughs) and so like having having groceries and food and and other things delivered is pretty common place for us so it's just like a little different and now that like you don't actually go meet the delivery person they just leave it on your doorstep yeah um yeah so do you yeah. go outside at all right now? Yes, I do. Okay. I wear I wear gloves, a mask, and you know, stay away from people. And I only go outside for like fun if it's into my backyard. Like just to like read or just like hang out in the sun or whatever yeah. for a little while. Um, but I have run like a couple of errands. Um, you know, like needed to get something at the grocery store and that couldn't wait for delivery. Um or like we had a whole thermometer thermometer situation the other day. Uh, so my my roommate that's sick, he was he kind of got panicky one night. I was like, hey, I'm really burning up, but like the thermometer I ordered isn't here yet, like from the mail, and all the places that are near us that we could normally get a thermometer are all sold out of them. Uh, and so like I just started texting frantically like anyone I knew that lived remotely close to me. This is like a 
midnight. Yeah. And uh, one of them answered me, and so I went to get the thermometer from her, and then I brought it back to him. And then the next day, we found out that our other roommate had two thermometers that we <laughs> that we didn't know about. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> and then. And then my mom had sent me a thermometer in the mail that I didn't know about, <laughs> and his dad had sent him a thermometer. Oh, so wow. then we ended up then we ended up with five thermometers <laughs> for three people. <laughs> so like I've left the house to do stuff like that, um, yeah. or like I went to get him a, de- a dehumidifier because like he he had heard that that might help. Um, but yeah, I'm not. Uh, I I'm planning on going for like a bike ride. Um, I've been like fixing my bike so that I can do that because um, that's like an isolation outdoor yeah. activity um but in terms of just like going places or whatever no i'm not i'm not leaving the house unless i really need to yeah i want to go back to when you were working at the coffee shop when there was the aggressive measures taken by cuomo um yeah to to kind of give people distance and all that stuff what was yeah. it like working at the coffee shop were you nervous were other people coming into the store nervous like how it was how yeah. was that at that time it was it was really weird. Um, so like, first of all, it's harder than you would think to make like espresso drinks and like coffee stuff with gloves and a mask on. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. Uh, like, uh, you you use your hands to like feel the temperature of the milk, for example, like on the pitcher, um, and you use usually like will use your fingers to like help dose the espresso. Um, so like that was kind of weird, just like a learning curve. And then um, most coffee like tastes best in a, a non paper cup, and so like that was different for us. Um, but in terms of like the 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 biggest step we took was like we started wiping down the like counter and the kiosk and everything with like bleach after each customer. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, and so that that was kind of crazy, um, and. And then uh, normally, like, people add their own sugar, stir their own drink, put their own lid on, all that stuff. But we took all of that behind the counter. And so um, I was – I had to, like, dose everyone's sugar out for them if they wanted that or, like <laughs> – Did they, did they so, like, watch you and say, like, that's enough? Yeah, a exactly. Bit more? I was just like, all right, just tell me when. <laughs> and, like, so, so yeah, I was doing that. So if someone, like – let's say someone got a regular coffee, then I'd be like, okay, do you want that black or do you want room in that? Okay, do you want milk in that? Okay, what type of milk do you want with that? Okay, uh, just tell me when. Okay, now do you want any sugar? Okay, just tell me when. <laughs> it was just like a big... Um, but then in terms of like how people were reacting, obviously everyone wanted to talk about it. Um, yeah, I believe that. And the uh, the majority of customers, it was like, oh my God, thank you for being open. Um, just because nothing else was open. Yeah. And so they were... We also like sell bags of coffee and we had like a, a, a wider selection and larger inventory than we normally would because of this. Mm-hmm. We started carrying like bags of tea. Uh, and we started carrying like milk and eggs and butter um, for people. So people were also excited about like the quote unquote grocery things they could get or just that they could get good coffee to make at home so they wouldn't have to leave the house. Yeah. Um, or Yeah. Um, yeah, so most people were just like very excited we were open. Um, and the vast majority of them were also really good about social distancing and like, uh, being careful, but there were like, there definitely was a segment that were these like salty, just like annoyed, uh, people (laughs) and they all looked pretty similar to each other (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) 
and they were they were all just like pa- like passive aggressively like thanking us for letting them give us money it's like oh thank you for letting me patronize your business oh my gosh like just like ugh. <laughs> uh you don't need to come back <laughs> wow and they're just like glad they were glad they were there to help you they were it, it was like it was clear to it was clear to me that they were um they thought that all the measures were overblown yeah. and and they were expressing that with backhanded thanks <laughs> yeah I'm guessing they weren't great tippers either. No, but in general, uh, tips like got really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so like, yeah, we had a, a lot less traffic, but the majority of people that came in were giving better tips. So that was nice. Yeah. Now, obviously you've seen New York go under quite a bit of change. Like what, what is the stuff that's harder to capture photographs or, um, stuff that is, is harder for the media to understand for people that don't live in New York? Yeah, I think um, the like main reason that you live in New York, like it's it's really hard to live here, right? Like everything's more expensive, everything's very crowded. You don't have a lot of personal space, like all that stuff. But you, I think a lot of people, and myself definitely included, you you live with those difficulties or you put up with those difficulties because there are other things about New York that are like amazing that you can't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think the biggest thing right now, the biggest difference right now is that like all the negatives are still here and you can't experience the positives. Right. Wow. So like, so like those positives are the diversity of people that you interact with or see those positives are like the great businesses or restaurants or whatever that you can patronize the great food you can eat. um, The great cultural experiences you can have the great, um, you know, uh, religious community experiences you can have. Um, and right now you can't really do any of that. Um, yeah, you can get takeout. Yeah. You can watch something online. Um, but the things that make it worth living here, you don't really get to experience right now. Maybe the only thing that you still would, would be like, you could go to the park. Um, and you could like, you know, ride your bike or walk around the city and, and like see great architecture or really beautiful uh, views and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but you can't go to a museum. You can't go, uh, you know, to a play. And and those are the things that kind of make the expense and the, and the living space and stuff like worth it. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. I, um, I, I just can't imagine having that many people that close together and not being able to do the things of all the benefits that 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 community brings <laughs> yeah totally what is like I mean, the, the reason good no i was just saying the reason i still live here like i moved here for a pastoring job and i no longer do that job and the reason i stayed is because of the coffee scene here and the improv scene here and right now i can't in i can't engage with either of those yeah, would you take people through a little bit of that? Because I, I would imagine that if people don't know you, they're trying to fill in that gap as to like where did what yeah. was that transition like from pastoral ministry to coffee and improv? <laughs> and I'm laughing just because it's not a story that I often tell or have heard from people. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty long story, um, as you know. Um, for our listeners that don't know, Craig is one of my greatest friends. Uh, oh, so he's Kyle. he's Feelings he's mutual. heard. You've you've heard a lot of these uh, you know these things. 
um, and been with me through the, on this journey for years. Um, but the, sh the short version is basically just that uh, it is weird not going to a uh, community that you helped shape. Uh, it's weird not going there every day. Um, that's, that's weird. And it is also weird for me that like my whole life, my religious um, experience or expression, um, other people's opinion of that has mattered. And so and, and now, even if they still have those opinions, it doesn't matter anymore. So that's another thing that I'm navigating. Um, but in terms of like uh, rubber hitting the road, like I had just... I knew I wasn't going to be a pastor forever. My whole career, I knew that. Mm -hmm. And uh, just the in 2019, I had several different opportunities to like evaluate my uh, effectiveness and my career path and all that stuff. And and coffee has been um, something very important to me for about 10 years. And improv has been something like my favorite thing to do even longer than that. And I was like, hey, you know, it's not going to get easier to make that transition. Um, and if I know I want to make it at some point, I should probably do it now instead of later. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what I did. I was like, Hey, it, it would be much better to leave this church on good terms. Um, to not wait to get fired by some conference official, but instead to like leave because <laughs> I want to do something else. Um, yeah. I wish I would have talked yeah. to you before, uh, five <laughs> years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've had, I've had a lot of most the vast majority of my friends in pastoral ministry are no longer pastors that's very and, true and the only uh the only one from my southern california like cohort of youth pastors that's still a pastor isn't isn't one in the context that we were all in together so yes <laughs> so i i had seen the different ways to navigate that and and kind of that actually helped me figure out how i wanted to navigate it um, and I'm still great friends with the staff there and with a lot of the members. And um, I'm looking forward to attending there uh, in some way at some point in the future. Um, but uh, the long story short is I'm very happy. And I, even though I have a lot of uncertainty in my life right now, uh, do not regret that transition at all. It's great to hear, man. Uh, I'm curious then as like an, uh, an unbiased uh, person living in New York that obviously has interest in the spirituality of the city or this, the, you know, the, the religious nature of the city. What have yeah. you seen from churches or religious leaders there? Are they people that have been ahead of the curve behind the curve? Are they people that are weighing it down? Like what have you seen, um, from churches of all denominations and has their yeah. response been inspiring or tepid? I'm just curious what you've noticed, uh, in New York. Yeah. So the, the church that I was a part of, um, before they were mandated to, they decided to take everything online um, because they just, you know, have smart people that take science seriously. <laughs> and uh, so for them, that that uh, decision was easy, even if the implementation was not. Um, uh, but as far as other churches here in the city, um, I don't know that I have like much um, evidence of, of what they've done one way or the other um because the only like i i have seen like uh, redeemer which is uh, tim keller's church um and like trinity grace which is david gunger's church like and my friend who has a has an affirming evangelical community not that uh different from paradox in a lot of ways 
Um, they all, you know, kind of fit into that same basket ideologically as the church that I used to work at uh, when it comes to these type of things. And the churches that I've seen or the religious communities that I've seen across the country that have reacted behind the curve or begrudgingly tend to be from a different spot on the like ideological spectrum yeah. with, with most issues. Um, and so like, so I think a lot of the, uh, I, I, a lot of the Adventist churches, uh, in this area would probably be less inclined, uh, to be proactive in this, but, um, the conference did step in and be like, Hey, you gotta do this at, at some point as far as I know. Um, and so, so now they're all like in line, um, if not from the government, then from the, the church leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them didn't take that step necessarily proactively. Yeah. And, but you haven't seen anything like churches where you've driven by and you've seen the meeting or like protesting and you've just rolled your eyes and been like, mm-hmm. what are we doing? <laughs> no, no. Just because like, um, number one, that would be hard to tell, uh, uh, in New York, just because like there is at least one like religious community like on every block, <laughs> kind of for the most part, like so it would be like really and and churches there's no parking lot to check if there's cars in or not, you know, and there's oh, no like there's you, there's a church can meet and a church could be empty and look the same on the outside very easily. Yeah. Um. And so. Uh, yeah, so I, I haven't I haven't seen any of that uh, personally, and I think I think in general like um, for people that don't live in New York, there's probably a there can be an understanding of New York culture that's like very like oh they're jerks they don't you know they're mean or whatever, um, but there is there is in my experience a lot of solidarity and a lot of unity um, among New Yorkers, and so I think. I think it was probably easier here for people to to see that this is getting crazy and that we need to do stuff and to just go ahead and do it. Um, I also think that uh, having a significant portion of the city's population having lived through 9-11 here helps with that Mm -hmm. Um, because that was another time where like the city kind of famously banded together and like survived a really difficult time. Um, And so I think I think people that could left the city and uh, people that couldn't uh, for the most part took it seriously and, and understood what needed to be done maybe better than some other parts of the country. Yeah. Wow. Well, the two major things that we interact with over here from California, what we hear about New York is we see the empty photographs and then obviously the overrun healthcare systems. Yeah. I'm curious, do you have any friends that are in healthcare or yeah. do you have any sense what people are feeling from New York about the healthcare system um, yeah. or any interactions that you've seen or heard about? Yeah. Um, yeah. I have several friends in the healthcare system and um, their lives are kind of insane. Um, some of them, uh, some of them are not uh, doctors or nurses or, 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 you know, kind of boots on the ground kind of people, but more administrative or you know other kinds of of stuff and so they're able to work from home um but their workload definitely hasn't lessened um i can't imagine and and, uh and then my friends that are doctors or or front or other frontline kind of people um you know i I know at least one of them is just like i'm i'm sure that i have it and i'm sure that i've given it to my family um 
and that's just like like the options for that person were to uh to like somehow find another place to live for several months in new york (laughs) city yeah in new york city and like be able to afford that somehow um that would really be the only way to like do their job and not risk their family's health um and yeah i mean uh i have I know more than one person that is moving here temporarily to work at hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our former colleagues, uh, Craig, that is, you know, uh, that's now in healthcare. He's coming here for a couple months. I've spoken um, to him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, the, the big Navy ship that came up to help has, uh, been infected now. Um, and there are like field hospitals, set up in central park and stuff which is wow. man it's pretty surreal yeah i don't know if if you've seen vanilla sky or if or if uh, your listeners have but uh i have seen vanilla sky it's one of my favorite movies and there's a really famous scene that at the time was the most expensive sh- scene ever shot of tom cruise like running in an empty Times square yeah. and um when i was still going to work you know this was a couple weeks ago um, I was near Times Square and it looked like that. Wow. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> like anyone that lives in New York hates Times Square just, be- just because, um, it's just, it's just a ton of ads and tourists that get in your way that don't understand yes. how to walk. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, um, but because of improv and, and other performing stuff, I was there pretty often and just to like see it with no like no one there is crazy because there's not really any essential businesses in Times Square. It's all yeah. retail and, and 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 theaters and stuff. And so all the ads are still going, and all the you know the things you would recognize are still there, but there's just no people. And it's uh, yeah, it's it's freaky, man. It's weird. Well, and I'll never forget that shot from Vanilla Sky. At least they spent the most money on the most memorable scene, right? Like, yeah, no, it was well, yeah, just like thinking of the logistics of shutting that down is is crazy, and and now you don't even need to shut it down. Like, yeah, um, and that's that's what was yeah. so like telling about that shot was like how crazy it would be if there was no one that was there. Yeah, and we never I mean, we never thought that would happen. I assume nine eleven was a similar situation. Yeah, where, but even then, people people weren't inside necessarily especially especially up on 42nd street whereas like times square i mean whereas uh the world trade center is all the way at the southern end the southern tip of manhattan you know miles from that um and uh yeah or like if you've seen i am legend very similar thing it's just like if you've seen a movie with an abandoned new york um and you're you thought wow that's crazy man uh, Grand Central Terminal with like Will Smith and just his dog. Like that's what it looks like now. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. And I'm wondering like in the midst of all of that, um, I don't know, apocalyptic imagery, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is there anything you've seen that, that's been hopeful or inspiring to you or something that's been moving that uh, has happened or you've experienced through, through the distancing that you're going through? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, uh, when I when I sent out that text to like fifteen different people at midnight, 
um, about the thermometer, <laughs> and all of them replied. Um, yeah. If not immediately, the next day they did. Um, and then uh, even after I like had gotten the thermometer and, and whatever, um, those people, because they now knew that there was a situation in my household, like checked in on me like several times. Um, like that was really reassuring um, because these different people are like, I have different depths of friendship with all of them. They were, they were just the people that I knew lived closest to me. Yeah. Um, and so some of them were church members from my old church. Some of them were, were people that I worked with or, or knew a friend of a friend. And the fact that like they all had like the same response, uh, that was pretty encouraging. Um, and then also just like the intentionality of like, I've lived a lot of places throughout the country and I have really good friends in all of those places. And um, I'm a pretty notoriously bad long distance friend. <laughs> um <laughs> And the fact that, like, people from every different place I've lived and, and all these different uh, sections of my life have called me or texted me or messaged me just because, like, hey, I know it's crazy in New York. Like, how are you? Do you need anything? Like, uh, more than one person is, like, sending me stuff in the mail just to, like, be nice. Like, uh, so that's, that's probably the most encouraging thing um, that I've personally experienced so far. That's great. That's great. You sound like a pastor when you say it that way. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you uh, you can take the the pastor out of the church. Oh no! Or you can oh, take no. the boy. The uh, there's it's going to be a bad saying, whatever it is. So let me just whatever it say. is. We know where it's headed, <laughs> and it just looks like it, a car accident. It, up and there. none of us want to go there. <laughs> Dude, I was talking to somebody recently, and they were saying that. All of this is a media-driven fear narrative. Aye, to... aye, aye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, th- and we specifically talked about New York. And I said, yeah. you know, because they were talking about how there's empty rooms in hospitals. And there are in, in Loma Linda, California. They, you know, they've been preparing for the storm for essentially yeah. weeks now. Um, and there being empty know, rooms in the hospital is a good thing. <laughs> like, yes, I, that's my conspiracy. I... <laughs> like... <laughs> That's the it goal. Means they're taking it serious. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty much the perfect thing. I was wondering what else you would say to that because they were saying they had friends in New York who said that there were doctors who weren't working and all this stuff, and it was one of those like gawking kind of. Okay, moments. first I'm of all, what you would say first of all, <laughs> anytime someone tells me a story like that, it's like, oh, I have friends in New York. Like, okay, tell me their name and what exactly they said. <laughs> Like, because, because what that, what that is, is the equivalent of like the kid on the like elementary school playground. That's like, yeah, my, my uncle uh, is Spider-Man. Like, you know, it's, you don't, I don't believe you. Uh, if a, if a person is like, oh yeah, if a person that doesn't live in New York is like, hey, I have a friend in New York and they say it's fine. Either, um, that friend has a personal opinion that's different than the reality of what's happening (laughs) or that friend is an imaginary person (laughs) (laughs) who once lived in New York, um, but now, but now just lives in who once lived, who once lived in New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) I always like it when people say, yeah, I lived in New York city once. You're like, Oh, where? And they're like, well, you know, I took a train into New York. Like, okay. I I lived in Staten Island. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's a that's a pretty good way. I I 
tried my best when I've talked with other pastors to be like, the one thing we can do more than anything else is stand up in front of congregations and tell them to trust scientists. Yeah. Um, because the church is the most responsible entity for a massive distrust of scientists in America. Yeah. And that's where like, I get so frustrated by people who, who say stuff like this and, and talk about, no, this isn't that big a deal. Well, yeah. the epidemiologists are telling us that it is a big deal so yeah. much so that we're shutting everything down. Well, and you would, you would hope that you would hope that a community, um, close to yours that has, uh, such uh proximity or relationships with like a medical town <laughs> would be a little bit more uh you know uh, uh responsive to these kind of things and um you know to their credit like um a lot of my friends that are engaged with uh creating worship services or, or ministering to congregations uh, have done a, a really admirable job admirable job of doing what you're saying Craig including paradox um, I've seen um, you know all these social media posts of people watching your service or or other services and not just church services but like um, innovative ways of connecting with people and and not just telling them to trust scientists because I agree that that is important but I I think it's uh, in, equally important in a different way, the ways that you and other um, uh, religious leaders are like trying to give people a sense of normalcy and connection and, and spiritual development throughout this, because I think it's, it would be a, a classic um, misstep to only worry about the essentials, not mm -hmm. realizing, not realizing that like, that a holistic sense of wellness you know, including your spirituality and your mental health, like is just as important in this time. So, yeah. yeah. I, well, I, 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 yeah. I feel just as equally, um, as needy for it. Like it kind of gives me a direction for my week as yeah. to like, otherwise I feel like every day would feel the same. And I know a lot of people have felt that for me, it's still the ramp up to Saturday and, um, just to be part of the community and interact with people, um, has been just one of the best, the best things for me personally as well, because it's totally it's yeah. so obviously isolating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun to watch other churches do you, all of us try to solve this problem at the same time. Yeah. Um, no, it's crazy because you see stuff that you're like, Oh my gosh, I never thought we could try that. Um, and there's other stuff that you're like, wow, where did yeah. that one come from? Yeah. Well, and it's so. like, I think there are, there are certain communities that were, already doing a lot of this on some level um who are more equipped to like roll out more things and then there are places that have like either don't have the capacity or don't have the inclination and so uh those those are a little bit more interesting to see the yeah. fruits of <laughs> i'm personally i'm personally a little more inspired by the churches that are are, are driven more by connection than production right now yeah as far yeah. as like, I, I'm really inspired by the churches um, that I've seen that, that have older congregations that like, um, they figured out a way to make it live and still make it interactive with people, even yeah. though like you would, somebody might trash the production quality, right? Yeah. Um, where I, I just, I've been really inspired by that. Whereas people that feel like it's gotta stay this kind of production level or nothing. Yeah. Um, that's been, it's been a little bit less inspiring to me during this time. Yeah, my uh, 
my parents are part of this Sabbath school class that is like all people in their 60s or older. Um, and it's like a discussion based, like very, uh, yeah, back and forth kind of thing. And like they're doing it virtually now. And like these people that like I would never have expe- expected uh, to be able to operate <laughs> this whole system, including my parents are like are doing it and and it's it's they're having a great time and i i was talking with my mom about it and i suggested like a way to improve it and she was just like no no i don't we're not gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) it's Uh, like it's just black pitch black in there and you're like you could turn on the lights nope no we're all about the connection here (laughs) uh yeah yeah and it's working you know yeah well that's something i've noticed with paradox too is we've had a lot of our older members actually be the most consistent attendees at our zoom meetings yeah um which has been a bit of a surprise to me i assumed it would have been the other way but i i think that younger people might be more naturally inclined to be connected that way yeah um but yeah most of our most of our online stuff is attended by older our well, older yeah, and congregants. i would i would guess that like older congregants are less are doing that um less often with a less variety yeah. of things in their life and so it's like more meaningful to connect with that whereas like for a younger congregant it might just be like oh here's another stream to join or another video to watch yeah. with the hundreds i've already joining or watching that's true <laughs> yeah. hey well kyle this has been very helpful uh, insightful conversation and it's just always good to connect with you is there anything you feel like we... with you man didn't cover or anything that you feel like uh, needs to be heard by the masses? Nope. Um, if you're not already uh, watching Tiger King, make sure you watch it. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Westworld not my is parents. Back. Mom, Dad, if you're listening, do not watch Tiger King. <laughs> um, I love you, you, but don't watch Tiger King. <laughs> if you're if you're uh, if you're not using Netflix Party or MetaStream, uh, get on that because that has saved me. Um, and what yeah. what are those? Uh, what are those yeah? They're programs? just they're just like. Uh, browser plugins uh on your google chrome that let you uh sync up different uh streaming sites with a friend or group of friends and watch it at the same time and be able to chat with each other without worrying about like lag or being at different times in the movie so it's really fun yeah i I do it almost every day (laughs) (laughs) so so, yeah because what else could you do right now right exactly i'm having a i'm having a virtual uh hangout slash improv session with my improv team later today so we'll see how that goes i don't know how that's gonna work but uh, isn't that the whole point of improv (laughs) we'll find out (laughs) oh the student has become the master (laughs) the student has become the master (laughs) kyle it's great to see you man great to talk to you you stay safe stay healthy out there and we'll talk to you soon all right see you man all right take care bye bye